that is true. It, is, it stays ultra light and airy, crispy, and um, it's, it's kind of remarkable. What is LA style pizza? Our guest this week has some opinions from a long career in fine dining to a pandemic pivot and the support of some pretty interesting friends. The story behind Pie LA, straight ahead. Straight fried pepperoni. I need a deep dish pepperoni and a thin sausage to go. Can I get two cheese of ours and one uh, Detroit? Can I get one large pep, one large sausage, and one large pet special? This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Delinsky, author of Pizza City USA, the ultimate Chicago pizza guide, and founder of Pizza City Tours and Pizza City Fest. And welcome, everybody, to our final show of 2022. Boy, this year went really quickly. Um, We are back out in Los Angeles this week. Uh, DTLA, to be exact, site of our next Pizza City Fest, April 29th and 30th. We're going to be announcing our lineups for pizzerias and seminars and demos the week of January 9th. So keep an eye um, over at PizzaCityFest.com. That's PizzaCityFest.com, week of January 9th. Okay, no one has really heard of Pie LA, and certainly no one has written about them yet. At least I didn't find anything after I Googled them, um, certainly not from Infatuation or LA Times. Uh, they've only been open for about six, maybe seven months, but a lot of folks have heard of Fred 62 since that restaurant's been open for at least 25 years. Fred Eric is the driving force behind both projects. Um, Fred's an interesting cat. He drops chef's names like Pauly G changes hats. Joachim Splichal, Wolfgang Puck, Claude Siegel. Yeah, Fred knows them or worked for them or staged or worked pastry or garde manger or some position in someone's kitchen. He's also the first guest to drop names like Shepard Ferry and Mark Mothersbaugh, we're going to explain today. Both guys are supporters and investors. Eric's pie is truly unique in the U.S. as there is nothing like it. And you're going to hear why today. It's that light, crispy, slightly umami-laced crust, plus his L.A.-inspired toppings that make this pizza so special. And it's a coup, frankly, to get him on the show before anyone in L.A., as well as get him to be at day one of Pizza City Fest. So we began, as we always do, by asking our guest about their first pizza memory. You know, that would probably be the cafeteria at public school. Um, Not necessarily the highlight of my pizza experiences. I would say shortly after that would probably have have been gone to Numero Uno's Pizza. Where would that have been, public school? Los Angeles, California. And you said Numero Uno. That's not connected to Pizzeria Uno, though, from Chicago. Oh, yes. Numero Uno Pizza, the very sweet, light, you know, cornmeal-bottomed, deep-dish pizza that um, at one point was... a. A very craveable meal. Craveable that is, meal. That is interesting. Okay, so tell me, what part of LA did you grow up in? I grew up in uh, Hollywood a lot. Uh, so I went to a school though at Waldorf School in Northridge. So what kinds of pizzas were there in the neighborhoods? Were they based on a New York style big 18, 20 inch with the foldable wedges? Yeah, there were definitely the get the pizza, put as much chili flakes and Parmesan on, fold it over and eat it. Um, eventually that, you know, um, migrated into 
the Wolfgang Puck pizza at Spago, which he opened. He started to put salmon, but he is also, when he first started, he put, when I remember going there as a kid, and he put um, grilled meats, and he, he, he basically was knocking off what, what um, Alice was doing at Cheese Penis. <laughs> I just got that. What about uh, Nancy Silverton? Early influence in, in terms of how pizzas were thought of in L.A.? or uh... Later on. Later on. Nancy came in with, with Moza, and she definitely blew up. I mean, any, out of any culinary person in L.A. that I've been involved in, I worked for Joaquim with Wolf, with, with lots of people for Mauro Vincenze. Nancy is by far the greatest technician of how to take a conceptual idea of making any food product, if it's an Oreo cookie or pizza, focusing on it in a crazy OCD way and maximizing its potential. I was actually the opium pastry chef for Patina. I worked at Maxu Triangle, his earlier restaurant, and um, we're still friends today. How did all this, did you go to culinary school or did you start working your way up in the business? Um, no, I worked my way up in the business. What happened is I worked at um, Giuseppe's, which was in on Beverly Boulevard. And then um, Wolfgang Puck was getting replaced by Claude Siegel a bit from, he had a restaurant called um, Subilette in Paris, um, two star, Michelin two star. And he got hired to replace Wolfgang when he left Ma Maison. And I went to work with, with um, Claude Siegel, which a lot of my culinary training came from working with him. I worked for him for about two and a half years, but he immediately opened a restaurant called Bistango. And then while I was doing Bistango, I worked, was doing a double, double job, like 100 hours a week, with Joachim Splichel and Claude Siegel. Claude Siegel was like a classic Parisian um, chef. Um, and I wanted to work with La Saint-Rennes at Luquet Carton in Paris. So I uh, worked very hard, learned a lot, and then got a job, a two-year stage there. So what was the pizza scene like in L.A. in the 90s? You're working in these high-end, high-pressure restaurants. You're doing, you know, uh, savory and sweets, it sounds like. Um, you're learning a ton. But after hours, that when you're in your free time, you're eating a pizza. Is there great pizza here at all? No, there really wasn't great. There was good pizza. You know, I mean, basically, the majority of it was like a one-day one-day cure dough that got balled, you know, risen for an hour, and it was good. It was really okay, good. There was some better incarnations, but it wasn't until Nancy really did Moza where it really jumped. And that was wood-fired, of course, very different than these electric ovens. Now we have the gas ovens, and we got but we'll talk about that in a second. But um, I want to go back to you for a sec. So yeah. you're doing this high pressure cooking, yeah. uh, working with these fantastic chefs and restaurants. When do you decide that you're going to really focus on pizza? No, actually, well, I did a lot in between there. I opened Fred 62. We've been open for 25 years. Yeah, what is that like? It, that's a diner. Uh, it's a kind of it's a L.A. institution at this point. Still going strong. But what happened is I was um, doing a kind of plant forward vegan menu for a cannabis lounge that was opening in West Hollywood. And I was like, hey, if we're opening cannabis lounge, even though it's plant-based, we got to have a real satiating pizza. So there was a friend of mine from Detroit, David Sanfield, who, who started the Pitfire Pizza Company. We spent a lot of time in the um, pandemic at my house practicing making, he was from Detroit, a Detroit-style pizza. 
and um, he wanted to open a Detroit-style pizza or a Detroit and the grandma style in Italy are very, very similar besides the cheese crust. So I worked with him and I worked on, to make it a little bit more digestible, a sprouted flour, which has less, the, the outside of the flour is very hard to digest. So this is a little bit easier to digest. And I did, I basically cut the flour, the dough recipe down, accentuated the water level and did something to, um, you know, they, they always say, you know, the pizza's in the water. You know, oh, New York pizza, you can't do it like that in L.A. because it's different water. You know, oh, tofu, the best tofu in, in Tokyo, I mean, in Japan is Kyoto because the river water, which is true. It's a lot water. We do a little trick to, um, uh, we call a flavor enhancer that um, I'm not good at divulge. Um, but you, you told me last time I was here, it, it's kombu. Yeah, yes, that's right. All right. So that's like, this is one of the building blocks of dashi. Yes. which you must have learned in Japan. That's right. So um, there was a guy in the 1890s who realized that if you dried seaweed and put it into um, broth, it became a flavor enhancer, what he called umami. And if you look, think about it in terms of music. If you play one note, a C, that is a sound. If you play a chord, it harmonizes. The bass, the, you know. So basically, this the chemical reaction in your mouth from this seaweed in fused broth created this umami or it was like playing a chord on the piano so not immersing the bonito the the smoked and dried skipjack yes. tuna just the kombu the seaweed that's correct okay so half of dashi yes half of dashi one it means that i don't really have to put salt in it and it really heightens the flavor of the, the wheat the cannabis lounge faded away. They couldn't get it together because of COVID. And then I was just doing, you know, making pizzas for, I started making pizzas in my backyard. Chefs who, they weren't working. So I'd be like a Korean chef friend of mine. He came over and we were like, what's your like favorite grandma thing that she made? And we took those ingredients and put them onto a pizza topping. And we, I just started doing this with multiple people. And um, I was putting it on my Instagram, and a guy who owns a lot of property, his family, Tom Gilmore, contacted me and said, hey, can I try your pizza? And I was like, yeah, sure. He came over, he tried the pizza. He said, I have a location that someone left me. They put $2 million into this space, and it's on this cute little alley, and I will, you, you could just come in and start running if you would open Pie So I talked to some friends of mine, um, namely Shepard Ferry, who um, did all the graphics and branding and became an investor, and Mark Mothersbaugh from Devo, who, and they were like, oh, we would love to get involved, let's open this. By the way, Shepard Ferry also did the famous Obama print, right? Obama and Obey, yeah. for everyone who owns Obey t-shirts. Okay. So um, he loved it, and he got sold on it because the, one of the interesting things about this pizza, due to the hydration level, I gave him the pizza frozen. I said, in a month, take it out and reheat it like on the package, and you won't be able to tell the difference. And that is true. It, is, it stays ultra light and airy, crispy, and um, it's, it's kind of remarkable. You're calling it LA-style pizza, and for that's one of many reasons. The kombu certainly is very LA, but is that partly why? Because it doesn't, it looks like Detroit, not quite the okay, same. So you, I've had, I've here's, had a here's the metaphor. Ready? 
So the reason it's LA is because I was also good friends with Jonathan Gold. And as we know, Jonathan Gold celebrated the multiple cultures that, that woven together make the fabric of LA style so unique. So what, what makes this pizza LA is I've been collaborating and I do regular collabs. The last one I did was with Masa from Kagaya, which is a famous shabu shabu restaurant. So we did a Wagyu beef sukiyaki pizza. And so the idea is basically, and I'm going to do one with the guys from Bad Mash next month. And every month I'll do a different, where basically I'll invite the person in, we'll look at products that they like, and we'll figure a, a completely authentic flavored ethnic twist on it. Something that, I mean, basically, you know, anything you put on a naan, you could put on a pizza. Yeah, this is very L.A. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking with Fred Eric here at Pie L.A. He's going to make a pie for us, and we're going to talk about that. Plus, we're going to preview some scenes from our next show coming up in two weeks. So stay with us. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're here at Pie LA, downtown Los Angeles. Right off of 4th Street, we're in a really cool alley. Google Maps will take you right to it, so just you're gonna punch in Pie LA. I'm with Fred Eric, the owner here. Um, you've only been open for about five, six months. Um, you've got the dough here. It's in these little, what are these, six by six, eight by eight, eight pans? Eight, eight, eight by eight, eight pans, eight, are these Lloyd pans? Yes, they are Lloyd pans. Okay. We um, have a three, three day, 72 hour cure, um, combo infused, 85%. Um, hydration pizza dough. Wow. Um, what kind of flour? Um, it's a combination of a sprouted flour and King Arthur. Okay, and um, got a little bit of bubble activity here I see, and then what are you gonna add to this? So, um, th because it's wet, it, I'm good. we do a couple pizzas. We do a white pizza, we do a red pizza, and we do what we call green pizza, which is like the Roman style. And this is like a big, everything bagel topping. So there's like, uh, what is it, sesame and an onion and garlic in there? Yes, that's right. Um, poppy seeds. You're, just, you're, you're sprinkling this on the raw dough uh, that's, been, that's been proofing for a couple days. Spray it? With uh, kombu water. Oh, okay. So there's kombu water in the dough already, but you're also going to spray it with some more. Yeah, it makes it, makes it um, shiny and it, it, so, and it keeps a nice edge to it. Okay. So then we're going to put it in. This is a traditional oven. Got a Baker's Pride deck oven here. I'm just putting it on the stone deck. How, how hot is that? 500 degrees. Okay. And then how and long is it? Put it in for three minutes. Okay. Um, and then we'll take it out. I will add a, a provolone cheese. One of my complaints about the Detroit style pizza was there's too much cheese, it was too thick, and often burnt. We want it to be golden, fricko, crispy, thin. So one of the difference between Detroit and LA is, I liken it to Detroit makes stock cars that come off the assembly line. In LA, we customize. <laughs> so our chassis is chopped and lowered. It's about half the amount of dough, but it's so light and airy and bubbly, it crisps off and is it's like a souffle when you're eating it. And, and the ratio is so perfect. When I was here a month or two ago and I had it, I was like blown away. It's almost like a grandma is to a Sicilian, your pie is to a Detroit. It's a little bit lower yeah. and crispier and better ratio. Thank you. And then also, because of that height difference, our, our fricko, the cheese crown, is not as thick or 
chewy so you don't end up with this like um, you know piece of leather in your mouth but you're not using brick or mozzarella for that cheese no provolone. We're using this is a provolone and it is I like made it with 10 different provolones I found the one that would get golden crispy and that's what we go with but why provolone and not mozz okay or cheddar white cheddar greasy okay it's too greasy it doesn't crisp up you know I did Gruyere I tr tried them all. You got this wide, flat, stainless, um, like a flat spatula, and you're pulling back the edge of the dough, and then you're pouring in the, the cubes of, of provolone so that they really are hugging that border between the, the hot pan and the edge of the dough. And believe me, this did not happen overnight. This is lengthy time experimenting. Now it's going to go back in the oven. Yes. Just with the cheese around the perimeter. Okay. Golden brown on the bottom, beautiful colors. Yep, just gorgeous. And it's only maybe an inch high at the, at the highest point. Like one of the challenges when I've been working with other chefs who are used to, they make it, things big. And it's like, no, you can't have a like 35 gram piece of meat onto individual piece on a pizza. It's too much of a chew. You have to think of what fits in the mouth and that's one thing. So if you can't see this, but every pizza we make, everything is weighed out. So what I try to do is every piece, there's only three bites within that piece that has the same quantity of toppings and everything. So the idea is you're constantly searching for that perfect bite. And sometimes the perfect bite is more dough. And sometimes the perfect bite is more sauce. And sometimes the perfect bite is more toppings, depending on what those things are and sometimes when you get that perfect bite, it's, a, it's like a treasure hunt. You keep, you keep wanting to take another bite, even if it's delicious. You keep wanting to search for that perfect bite. Love that philosophy. Now I'm taking the pizza out of the shell and it's now been, it's been sat onto a piece of paper to absorb some of the extra grease. Um, we like the grease for the cooking and getting this ultra crisp this dough is extremely crispy, light, not heavy, dense crisp, then super airy. Like you could feel there's, there's, it's a balloon almost. And then it goes back into a clean pan. This pizzas get cut into four pieces. So it's a four by four pizza. That four by four pizza I figure is about six bites. Those six bites, I only want three bites to have the same quantity of sauce, cheese, topping, etc. I want it because the dough is so amazingly good. I will serve the dough by itself. It's like what a dream bagel should be. You're absolutely right. It is super light and airy and crispy. And I wanted to see you top this Korean one now though. So I worked to develop this, this cream style pizza. We have a tomato sauce that is made with um, kimchi in it shiitake mushrooms, you get this great umami. This is a vegetable that goes on it, has some Korean greens, onions, um, again, shiitakes and um, kimchi. And then this is a mix between white cheddar and mozzarella. Also then, cubes again. Yeah, this is all cubes. Okay. And I'll go into this once again. And then this is pork belly that's smoked. What I do is I'll make a thin line of the sauce on the edge, and then a thin line 
down the middle. Is there any gochujang or gochugaru in this, or is it just tomato? Yeah, gochujang. Gochujang, and, okay. Um, and then the, the topping gets um, some of this cheese, but less cheese than a lot of places. I mean, I really want people to be able to taste the dough. You're sort of scattering on these small cubes, and some of them are clinging to the sauce so they don't fall down the sides of the dough, because um, it, it's kind of raised in the middle, a little higher. And then you're going to add, oh, you're pressing it down, and then you're going to add this, like, okay, like so sauteed onions and, and greens and kimchi? Mushrooms. Yeah. So again, the idea is creating this tapestry. So it's not this, it's not lasagna. It's not everything's the same. We smoke the pork and put it through a Korean chili spice mix. And then we um, braise some pork belly and do it through the same spice mix. Now, will it render more fat at this point or is most of the fat been rendered out of this? The fat's been rendered out. And that's exactly why we do that so that it doesn't become a big grease bomb. Okay. I always thought these were just called conveyor belt ovens because it's moving it very slowly. It looks right. like a chain link almost. So we could adjust the temperature on the bottom and the top and how much time it goes through the oven. Yes. Okay, the pizza's coming out now. This is, a, oh, this is a quick bake. It was like maybe three minutes. Three minute bake. Okay. Um, oh, that pork has been gotten crispy. Boy, it sure did change color. Gorgeous. There's a little air pocket in there, a little open crumb. So then when, when it comes out, we top it with this pizza with 20th century Asian pear and a daikon kimchi that we make with a dressing that we make that has a little bit of sesame oil and chili paste. And then we put some scallions on top. So it's really a lot of work for a, like a teenage cook who's here when you're not here. I mean, you always have to be here to make sure it goes well? No, no, it's very, it's very systemized out. So I love how there's also a contrast, not just of textures, but of temperatures. So the daikon and the pear on top are cool. Pizza underneath is warm. Um, the crispy edge, the, the, the frico edge is delicious, spot on. But you've got this such a super light crust. Um, it's crispy underneath. As you said, it's light and airy in the middle. Um, I can see all this open crumb as you look at it on the side. The bottom is just a beautiful, even golden brown. There's, there's hardly any blackening. There's hardly, there's no black splotching at all. It's, it's basically a golden brown pizza, and that's what you're going for. Yeah. Also, the mushrooms on here, you get that umami that echoes the umami in the, the water and the dough. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you for um, uh, appreciating that and recognizing that. I worked about two years to make the dough right, still always f figuring new little techniques out, like using this spatula to get it so that the cheese goes all the way down. Um, Brilliant! It, such it, you put. It's like Dan, uh, uh, Dan Richer in um, at Razza in Jersey City. Yeah. Think so much about every component of the pizza: the time, the temperature, the weight, the thickness, the height, the types of tomatoes. You put so much thought into this pizza. You can tell. I mean, the results. It just shows how delicious and unique it is. Um, hey, I got to ask you one final question for the show. Um, we ask all guests the same thing. Knowing what you know now about pizza making, what would you have told your younger self maybe well you've only been open for five six months what would you have told yourself maybe a year ago knowing what you know now about pizza making to be successful to feel confident keep doing the same thing you're doing just keep at it yeah just you know tenacious i used to think i i used to watch nancy work and i was like how does she go back to the same friggin oreo a thousand times and i always thought you know i'm like uh too rough pop 
punk kid who, like, I want it to be an instant, you know, three-chord wonder. And I never felt like I was that person who would meticulously repeat, go over. I don't feel that way anymore. I've, like, made this these pizzas, you know, 10,000 times, focused on all the details, had my daughter Isis and Electra with a clipboard next to me going like, okay, today we are focusing on this. We're doing it four ways and we're gonna find, you were gonna write it down. You guys are gonna write it while I'm doing it during COVID. And we're gonna, um, we're gonna find it till we get to that point where it's exact, you know, the vision, the vision, pursue the vision, enjoy the process. Well, we are so excited you're going to be at Pizza Fest, uh, our inaugural one, April 29th and 30th at downtown and at LA Live, so people can come down and check out what you're doing. Uh, but in the meantime, if you're in LA, uh, it's called Pie LA. It's right off of 4th Street. There's an alley entrance. You cannot miss it. It's right in the middle of the block. Come down the alley. You will see the storefront. Um, incredible pizza. Fred Eric, thank you so hey, much for your time. You so I'll see much. you soon. I look forward to uh, serving everyone on in April. Awesome. All right, coming up in two weeks, we're into a new year and getting on a plane for a flight to Berlin, where there's a very quiet pizza scene, mostly neo-Neapolitan, but one guy trying to shake things up. There was a few spots, but for me, the experience is grab a slice on the go, fold it and run. Like that, that was kind of what, there, there is not a lot of good grab and go food here. I'll talk to the force behind Magic John's where they're making Berlin's best New York-style and Detroit-style pies, despite a number of challenges. That's in two weeks on January 6th. Remember to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend and rate us, please. We are at Pizza City USA on Instagram and our website, pizzacityusa.com. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song, and here's wishing you an optimal bite ratio always. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs>